time to get this get this party started. So I would like to um, welcome everybody and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Kalia Garrido. I head up events and marketing here at uh, Great Data Minds. So quick bit about us, if you don't already know us, we are a collection of passionate data activists and we're on a mission, a mission to uh, modernize the world of data. So we do this in two different ways. The first is that we have a services arm at greatdatamindsinnovationlabs.com. This is where we do our strategic education, planning, the deployment of our critical data projects. Um, and then we have Great Data Minds, and this is where we have our events and our community. And this is an example of one of the um, great events that we hold that we're doing here today. So we're excited to get it kicked off. Um, today's event is actually focused around our uh, Great Data Minds Humans group. And so here at Great Data Minds, we're committed to helping promote, educate, and inspire the people that make up the lifeblood of the data community. And so in our session today, we've gathered a group of amazing people to help um, kind of take us through this really, uh, for me, it's going to be really um, inspirational conversation. Um, so a little bit of housekeeping before we get kicked off. Uh, this is a webinar. So like we talked about really early on, your cameras and your microphones are off, but we do welcome live conversation in the chat. And I see that everybody is already um, jumping in there and using it. That's great. Feel free to add your questions as we go along. I'll do my best sort of serving as your MC here to uh, collect the questions, um, sort of organize them and, and, and send them um, out to the panelists at the end. Um, or you can save your questions till the end. Cause like I said, we're gonna have like about 10, 15 minutes at the end to uh, be able to ask specific questions to our expats and nomads. Um, and so today we are very excited. We have seen a fantastic uh, number of RSVPs come through on this event. So we can tell that uh, everybody out there is just as excited as we are about this topic. Very timely, very relevant right now for a lot of us. Um, and to kick us off, I would like to hand it over to my business partner and mentor and friend, Julie Burroughs, who is our uh, chief executive officer here at Great Data Minds. Hey, hey everybody. Julie. Hey, all, all uh, 207 registrations, 208 just came, the 208th one just came in. So those keep coming, but thank you for joining us today. We're really excited. Um, you're looking at three of my besties, uh, four of them actually, including Kalia. And um, I have known these women for 20 plus years, don't be mad at me, <laughs> for 20 plus years. And the great news is they all know each other individually too. So they've spent time either cocktailing, traveling, working together, even without me around. So um, we've got a great program today. We, um, we're very excited to see so many people so interested in this subject right now. So Kalia, you wanna start with the, the introduction slides? Kalia? Did you freeze? Uh-oh. I'm happy to just start with my own introduction, if you'd like. You know what? Hold on one second. I think I can get them up. Sorry, guys. Okay. Is it, am I, am I back? It was me. Yeah, you're back. Just me though, right? Yeah. <laughs> you want to try yeah, again? No, I'm, we're all good, Kaylee. Oh, we're all good. good. Ladies, mini heart attack, working through it. I'm so glad it was just <laughs> try again. But if this Zoom stressed, out, Zoom stressed. You'll have to do it. I'm going to give it one more shot. Okay. That you can scary. do it. That was scary. I'm going to click it. <laughs> How's that? All right. Whew. 
Can you see it? Yep. Yay. All right. I'm not touching anything. <laughs> All right. Let's see what it said. Okay. Well, thanks, Julie, for putting this together. I think last night we had dinner together and we're approaching 30 years of friendship for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, so I've been expatting since 2006. Uh, my first, just quickly, first expat gig was kind of the standard one where Whole Foods Market um, brought me over to the UK with the awesome expat package of paying for accountants and housing and giving you a stipend, you know, kind of something that doesn't exist as much today. And that was my first experience. After that, I lived on an island off the coast of France, the island of Jersey, but then went back to work for a company based in the US. So I was a US US-based employee, but I worked in on the island of Jersey for five and a half years, uh, stayed with the same company, and then moved to the Caribbean and worked from the island of Curacao, um, jumped back to the States for a bit, and then have been working from the Netherlands, both as an entrepreneur, where I had my own company, which I sold to a Canadian company, and now I'm doing an independent consultant for a company in California uh, from the Netherlands. So have been through a few different structures, um, tax implications, and you know business relationships, and I'm happy to talk about that uh, as we go through this. What about Bernie? Oh, and that's our new car, Bernie, uh, and that's my husband in the tent. That's how you go camping in the Netherlands. Very different from camping in Colorado, which I'll be doing starting this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we kindly refer to him as the Dutchman. Yeah, there's the Dutchman. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Patty Clower. And Julie, I think it's been 25 years for, for us. Okay, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I've been living in Mexico on the shore of Lake Chapala for four years this month. And um, uh, I've, you know, the, uh, the boat ride I is with some of my besties here in Lake Chapala for a birthday. We went out on the boat and one of my, you know, this is the lake. This is this picture at the bottom right is, you know, probably a two minute walk from my house. That's what I do every morning. And I, I, I even have my pictures from this morning on my phone, you know, that I took in the same spot. But um, I really, I, I, I moved here four years ago because um, basically uh, my, my passion right now is to bring the future forward for the for the planet and i've done i've done a lot of large scale um technology change initiatives for my entire career and now i'm sort of looking at and then i've also been a lifelong meditator so i'm kind of combining those both of those and try and bringing all of that forward with a project around the conscious attention economy through future capital. And so living here has allowed me to actually have this international global reach with people, but also be very grounded in a local community where I work at a food bank and stuff. So anyway, that's that's me. Oh, and, and that's, uh, that's me there in my uh, Day of the Dead outfit, so. That's awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> Hi. Um, Hi. <laughs> so um, I was living in San Francisco and definitely ready for a change. Um, uh, had a company have a company with my husband importing wine, um, Italian wine. He's Italian, and uh, also a tech company uh, working uh, for small biotechs. 
and uh, pretty much working myself to death in California, um, kind of sick of cost of living and wanting a change. So during 2020, we started looking for a house to move to part-time and then realized, well, I'm working here full-time. Why not make it a full-time residence? So that's what we did. And we bought a house outside of Florence, Italy in the countryside. So this is um, a picture of our new doggy, uh, Penny. And uh, <laughs> she loves the countryside as do I and my husband. So um, just kind of a simple life, a very different life and a lot of travel around Europe and um, a lot of great dinners and parties and um, a different lifestyle, much happier. Um, we visited still working. We visited Christine. Two companies. She has a house in the village, one of the, as you can see behind there, and you could just, the locals were like, who is this blonde woman that has a house up there? It's a famous house in the village. And they're just like, who is she anyway? You know, so you're getting to know everyone down there though, right? Absolutely. Yep. They all Every day, to walk into town. Yep. Ow. <laughs> okay. And that's me. So I'm the only person that isn't an expat yet, but I'm working on it. Um, the guy to the right is keeping me from it, but I'm working on it. Um, but the good news is, is we travel a lot. We um, even internationally, we do it a lot, but we go to our friends' homes around the country. Key West, Tammy Barnaby's on here, one of my besties. And um, we work out, I work out of homes of my friends, um, other people that are on my team. And the great news is, is we advocate that our team at Great Data Minds, GDM Innovation Labs, does the same. So I leave September 9th for Slovenia, which you see up there in the left-hand corner, and we'll be there for four months. And um, welcome anyone that would like to hear more about Slovenia, uh, reach out, please. And um, that's all I got to say, and I'm ready to start asking my questions to the girls. All righty. All right, let's start with uh, the biggest question. What do you love about it? What are the benefits of it living abroad? Well, I'll start because, you know, I, I expand on this all the time. So uh, what I really love about living uh, where I live in Mexico, I live in a small town, so I don't live in a big city like Christine. I'm living in on the shore of Lake Chapala. And I, what I love is being in a generous, warm-hearted culture. You know, people don't have a lot, but they give they give a lot of themselves. So the so the values aren't just about how much money you make and and you know all the things you have and trying to you know keep up an expensive lifestyle. People live very simply here, and I live right by the lake. So on the Sundays, um, families are just oh not just Sundays, but every after every evening, families are down there having dinner on the picnic benches by the lake. The kids are playing. You walk down the street, and everyone says. Uh, greets you, buenos dias, buenas tardes, whatever it is, every single person, including like 14-year-old boys and everyone really, you know, you just feel like you're part of the community. So uh, that's the thing I love the most and Day of the Dead, which is an awesome, awesome party. <laughs> Sidro? Oops. You're on mute, Sid. Um. I've lived in the Netherlands since 2018. And the thing I always say is just a kind country. 
Um, and I appreciate the work-life balance and the mentality. Um, so the benefits are, I mean, you're on the doorstep or a part of Europe, which is extremely culturally diverse. I live in a place where people really value work-life balance, but yet there's a really talented uh, and engaged, uh, very diverse community in Amsterdam, a 45-minute tra train ride from my house. So, and I've also loved the other places I live just because, you know, the difference between traveling and living somewhere is is exponentially different and the amount that you learn about the local cultures and lifestyles and the connections you make are totally different um and the experiences i had living in the caribbean versus the island a tax haven island of jersey or in london were completely different but all made me uh, a more appreciative um, and well-rounded human great um so i love the community i live in as well it's just this very simplistic life of walk down the hill every day, see what the little alimentary has for produce, go to the meat market guy, get some meat to grill, um, have a cappuccino, talk to the neighbors, head back up the hill with the dog. And um, then we've built this great community here of not just neighbors, but people from Florence and people that come to visit us and just kind of hanging together and enjoying um, the diversity of everyone and just enjoying life together. And uh, we have a lot of people from Florence come up and say it's really special to be able to share dinners and times together and just the feeling that we have with and a big part of that I think is the property surrounded by the woods and nature and just there's a vibe here that I love so much. Great. Sid and Christine, you'd also have to say the rail system is great too. I know uh, Sid over trains, and you know I wish we wow. had. It. We take advantage of it when we're over there, but that's another great. And the bike, the bikes in yep, Holland. Like I, I didn't. I, Bernie's the first car I bought and lived here four years and survived on bikes and trains, uh, which is yeah. awesome. I had yeah. driven twice in a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, ladies, um, so that's what you love, but what do you miss? Um, Sid, you're gonna say green chilies, I know. <laughs> yeah, hatch green chilies for sure. I miss, <laughs> I mean, food and friends, one thing about living expat, and I'm sure the other gals will agree, it takes a bit to, to build your tribe. Um, so I still have a big tribe in the States that I do miss, though they, they come over a lot. Um, and then the, the two things in the Netherlands I miss, you know, the natural beauty that you have in the US, like the national park system, it takes a little bit more work in, in Europe to, to find like a Yosemite type experience. Um, but yeah, it's, it's food, friends and that, but for me, it's worth it. Patty? Patty? Almost the same. I, I, I had a friend just came back and brought me some hatch green chilies. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're not surrounded by them down there. <laughs> well, they don't have hatch, you know, we brought them back. Right. And so, um, but yeah, family, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's certain, you know, experiences that you want to, you know, you want to go back and be with your family a little bit more often, be able to drop in and stuff, you know, and, and I have a great community here. So I, I have, you know, friends as family, but, you know, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, uh, other than that, I think the same thing Sid said, I'm in Mexico and there's a lot of natural beauty here, but um, 
you know, in Mexico, you just have to be more careful when you're traveling. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like as a single woman, I can just go, you know, take off and, you know, go out and into the wilderness the way, you know, I used to live in New Mexico and I'm just used to those big open spaces and being able to drive, you know, a lot and, and be out hiking and stuff like that. And I, I have to be a little bit more careful about that. And I don't have, so I don't have that that kind of experience, but everything else is nice. here. Everything's here. Yeah. Yeah. We have great food here, but <laughs> I do miss some, some things like sushi. And I have my list where I ask, ask people to bring it in their luggage for me. <laughs> so usually around like uh, ramen noodles, you know, to cook uh, uh, chilies as well, yeah. chipotle. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, my family doesn't really travel much, so that's tough. I miss them. And, you know, some friends don't get out here very often or at all. So that's what I miss the most. Yeah. But I definitely awesome. have a lot of like natural beauty here. So I think I'm fortunate I actually live next to a national park. Um, so, yep. and, and then I have a city close by too. No, that yeah. great in Florence. Yeah, but since I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere, it's difficult to, you know, you can't order things online. It's you have to go to a store and it's, you know, half the day and in Italy you have a specific store for each thing. So I see a lot of the chat going on over there and a lot of the questions that are being asked, we'll get to you with those, but I think we're going to cover a lot of them here in a few minutes. So um, all right, during our prep call, we talked about an ideal employer. If you're working abroad, what does that I ideal employer look like to you? Myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, basically if you work for yourself, you can work anywhere, right? And in terms of ideal employers, uh, I mean, I had a, when I first came here, I was working for a company in the States. I was on the same time zone even. So there was no, there was actually no change. And I was only showing up in their office one, a few days a month. So I'm only 35 minutes from the airport at Guadalajara. So I, it was just, there was no, it was seamless. Actually, it was easier for me to fly there from here than it was from Santa Fe, New Mexico, where I used to live. It was hard, harder to get there. So um, I, I'm not sure that, you know, there's, there was one instance, Julie, when you and I talked about doing a contract that I couldn't do because I was in Mexico yep. because of the HIPAA regulations. Yep. So if, if, the, um, if the contract is with a company that you can't be out of the country because of HIPAA regulations, then that's a problem. You know, but I also did international work with a, a development Asian development bank over in um, the Philippines, and um, it was just you know I just worked at night like from six p.m. to midnight instead of during the day. So it was it was actually pretty seamless. Yeah, I know a lot of my friends would like to travel, but they get locked down by their security too, and they can't you know use their computers abroad. So there's that limitation. I. I kind of see the gamut when I uh, worked at Gaim, they had a kind of in the office always policy. And I was just super fortunate that they made an exception for me uh, when I lived both on the island of Jersey and in the Caribbean. 
and there was some guilt associated with that. But the, the current client that I have, my primary client, the Shift Network, they have an all remote, 100% 70 plus employees. Everyone's remote, a lot of international contractors, and they even have policies in place. It used to be anyone could work from overseas up to a month a year, um, but they've expanded that as long as it doesn't have a tax implication of the company. So as I was looking uh, to re-engage, I took a year sabbatical, I started looking at what companies, and for me, it was remote first companies. And it's just amazing the big cultural shift that's happened, you know, thanks to COVID of people just being a lot more open. And so I, I'd encourage people that if your current employer isn't really open to having remote or digital employees to, you know, start networking and finding ones that are, because when it's ingrained in the culture, it's you're working within an environment that welcomes it and supports it versus one that doesn't. And I've added that link that you shared with us, Sid, about the um, buildingremotely.com. Um, so that's a good resource for people who are looking to find a 100% remote job. Yeah. By the way, I agree with you so much, Sid. Yeah. And for me, I have my own company, but I have to find clients that are willing to work with me on the hours because the time zone is significantly different. And if they have certain deliverable dates, I have to be willing to work till two in the morning if that's what it takes. But I really right now have three clients that most of my calls are very early morning for them. And so they consider me to be like East Coast and even earlier. Um, so that's the agreement we have. But again, if they need something from me, I am there to work as late as it takes. So I have to have a client that will we'll kind of set expectations up front and they're okay with that. Yeah, great lead into the challenges. And that was one of the first things we talked about because I know when I'm over there, it's hard. You start at, you know, one noon, one o'clock and you work until the night and you just, you get used to it, sure. But it's like, wow, it, it's tough. And you, you know, you're asking your team to meet with you earlier, et cetera. You gave me great advice. So you said, you know, ask your team to think of you as being on East Coast time. And so we did, when we were over there last year for 45 days, that's what they did. But um, I think we all agree that, and Patty, I know you're lucky you sit CST, right? You're central. So, um, but when you're over in Europe, man, it's tough. And God knows working in India and Asia, but we see people doing it all the time, right? Working with yep. us. Europe's good for working with people in India. Yeah. Very close. Right, right. Time zone wise. Mm -hmm. I think another challenge we identified was infrastructure, having Wi-Fi and, and mm -hmm. you know, and, and Patty, Patty, tell <laughs> your story. Well, you know, this is Mexico. <laughs> and uh, so I've had Wi-Fi, but it was always going out or I'd be in the middle of a, doing a presentation where it was like all me and I'd have to jump on my uh, cell phone as a hotspot <laughs> because my Wi-Fi goes out two minutes before I start. So now I've got two uh, Wi-Fi carriers. One's uh, fiber optic, which I'm on right now. And um, hopefully I'm not freezing at all. If, if I was still on my other Wi-Fi car carrier, which I kept for backup, um, it would be a lot slower, a uh, lot, lot smaller bandwidth. So, but the cost of two Wi-Fi carriers, so I have the backup, is um, a total of $55 US a month to, to have both of them. And one 120 megabits per second bandwidth. So I'm good. You know, the one thing that I found, we're AT&T and we 
it worked great in Europe. It was 10 bucks a day, right? But um, I was able to use my uh, phone to connect to very easily. So I know, Sid, sometimes you run into issues with using your phone over there, right? And like I, I just ended up getting a Dutch SIM card. So I have a US and a Dutch, you know, I've got an iPhone, so you can have two SIM cards and I manage that. I think for me, I, I might be a little bit different than everybody because my... Um, primary employers based in California. I actually enjoy working the evenings um, because it lets me enjoy daylight. And, um, you know, and, and I'm a three to four day a week uh, uh, contractor with them. But I think that's part of it is like find the lifestyle that you want and put the rules around it. You know, if you're a morning person, you only want to have morning clients that might limit the time zones you work in or how you work. But for me, I love, you know, not having to plug in till about three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> and then, you know, working through on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and then having Friday free and all, all those daytimes free. All right, let's talk about visas, you know, what your status is. I know that we're going over and we booked in for four months into the EU. Based on Schengen, we can only be there 90 days. So we have to go out of Schengen uh, area, region, um, area. Um, the good news is, is Croatia hasn't signed on to Schengen yet. And for those of you that don't know what Schengen is, when you enter the EU, and you guys, if I say something wrong here, because you know better than I do, um, you are under the rules of the uh, Schengen area. So that limits you to 90 days within 180 days, if that makes sense. So Croatia, right next door to Slovenia, hasn't joined yet. They joined in 2023. So that's our savior. We're going over there to buy back some days and um, go into London and stuff like that. So um, other visas. I know we're seeing nomad visas come up. You were the, Sid, you pointed them out to me first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, my situation, because I'm married to a Dutchman, is I, both in Curacao and, and the Netherlands have been able to uh, have permanent residency and all have citizenship within about six months. Um, but I've got a lot of friends that come in on, you know, apply for a visa and then work and you can eventually work to permanent citizenship. So in, in the Netherlands, if you come in, there's a tax break for highly talented, you know, uh, and desirable employees, which are definitely in the digital and the data sector. Uh, you can apply for uh, a visa, you can get it, you get a tax break, it's called the 30% ruling. Uh, so it gets your taxes more in line with the U.S. tax rate. And you can have that tax break, I think, for five years, three to five years. But then after you've worked for five years, and I've got two friends have graduated, then you can get, you're eligible for permanent residency. And a lot of countries, my cousin's in Denmark, it's the same way. He's there on a work visa. If he stays for five years, he can be a permanent resident. Um, but now there's a ton of countries, Malta, um, Portugal, the two you hear the most about that, um, are giving you, you know, up to two-year visas. There's Aruba in the Caribbean, and they even give you tax, tax breaks. So Portugal doesn't tax foreign-based income. So if you uh, applied for the visa, you have to have a certain amount of money, you come over, um, and then they don't double tax you on your U.S.-based income. So, and there's a lot of resource. If you just search digital nomad, and I've, I've given some of those to Kalia, there's a ton of resources about the countries. I know Italy's getting more progressive uh, in trying to re recruit people. Croatia is. Um, so yeah, Ireland's kind of always been lots of opportunities. You just have to do the research. And I highly encourage people for 
doing the research and doing it right from the beginning. Cause if you get somewhere and you overstay and do it wrong, it's much harder to unwind yourself than doing it right from the start. Yep, it is. And it's also very confusing. Like Italy's, you know, not so great with bureaucracy. <laughs> so um, it, they're confusing. I know I was in the beginning trying to get my visa and I heard a different story from each accountant or attorney I was talking to. So I would say go to it a, a good agency mm -hmm. to ensure that you're doing it right. And there are a lot of programs in Italy, but they're changing. It's going to get better, but it isn't there yet. Um, they have some programs for uh, entrepreneurs that make quite a bit of money, like over a million dollars. Um, so the digital nomad visa, they say is coming. Um, so it's supposed to get easier because it would be better for the country. They need it. Interesting. Patty, so in Mexico, it's pretty easy because you get six months right off the bat as a tourist when you come in. And I was living off that uh, tourist visa for quite a while because I was traveling every month back to the States anyway um, for a few days. Um, but when COVID hit, I, I, I wasn't traveling, so I overstayed my visa, but it ended up costing me something like, I don't know, 20 bucks. And then I, then it was all fine. So um, now in Mexico, if you wanna to go to Mexico, I have a temporary residence visa that I renew after the first year and then I renew, um, and then I can get a permanent residency after three years. And um, every single, every uh, Mexican consulate, you have to apply for it in the States or wherever you are, whatever country you are, you have to apply for your visa there. And, um, and, and just to know about Mexico, every city has different requirements. So there isn't a standard. <laughs> so actually Denver was the best. And I really tried to get an appointment there and stay and go visit Julie, but, um, uh, there weren't any appointments at the time that I needed to do it. So I ended up going to Laredo and I probably, if I'd gone to Denver, I would have got a permanent residency right away, but I went to Laredo, Texas instead. And cause I could just drive there and come back. And um, I ended up getting temporary and it has to do with how much um, money in, in your accounts and how much, you know, there's just, just look them yeah. up. There's just some different requirements, but Mexico is not that hard to get, to get a, visa for. And again, if you're, if you're traveling in and out every six months, then that's even easier. Let's talk a little bit about the tax man or tax men. If you're living in two countries or living abroad. Well, Italy has I, a U.S. tax treaty uh, yeah. for no double taxation. Yeah. And I, I just, I use a tax guy who's lived here. He's from the States. He's got his own business and he's lived here, worked here for many, many years. And I basically just trust him to do my taxes. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that he, he takes care of it. Um, I know there's some issues about not having more than $10,000 in an account, in a bank account, which I end up, ha I have a Mexican bank account that I, I use for, uh, a volunteer project I do, which definitely has more than $10,000 coming through it. So, um, but he just says, no, all you have to do is just um, cl uh, claim it. You know, you just, you just have to report on it. 
yeah you can have you can have it you just have to report to the u.s government yeah yeah that's no problem so i haven't had any issues actually sid you're the most yeah (laughs) i think i might have been more complex i would say i mean partially because i sold a company um and that involves selling a company to a canadian company while i was in the netherlands but uh had a u.s-based company I I think getting good and you can get good tax advice from experienced people that aren't that expensive. Um, So I I mean, reaching out to the expat communities that you want to go join and asking for recommendations. And I've seen somebody who've asked any country you're interested in. If you go on Facebook, you type that country plus expat, you're going to find groups of people willing to connect. Um, You know, for me, there most countries I've lived in did have. So in short, as a U.S. citizen, you always have to pay U.S. taxes unless you're in a military. There's certain exempt categories, but in general, but most countries do have um, a tax uh, treaty um, with the U.S. And usually that means you don't pay dual taxes, Um, but there are loopholes in that. And depending on the assets that you own and where you own them. So I think it's just good going in and understanding the tax implications. For me in the Netherlands, the net of the two is I end up paying the higher tax rate, but I don't pay duplicate taxes. So the Netherlands, you end up paying in the in the 40%. Um, and then if there's a country that doesn't have a tax treaty, I wouldn't make that a barrier to consideration. When we moved to the island of Jersey, they didn't have a dual tax treaty with the US. And I just went to the tax authority and said, okay, what's fair? And they said, what about an extra 12%? And I'm like, what about seven? And so we agreed on an extra 10% tax I paid locally. And, you know, and, and it was like, we've created a document. So I was there legally, I paid the tax happily. Um, and, you know, so don't let those barriers uh, concern you. I think what's important is having a good advisor. You kept saying that in our prep calls and I kept hearing that resonating. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about healthcare and health insurance. I saw that come up on the chat, I believe too. Um, tell us about the quality of healthcare where you live. It's awesome, and it costs three hundred bucks a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's different than so, the U.S., so you've got to yeah. get used to. It's different, but it's not bad. It's it's awesome and inexpensive, but in, and it, it's a part of your taxes that you pay. I so my husband had knee surgery here. And he paid, went to a private doctor, so it's a little bit more expensive. And his, to pay for the operation fully was less than our deductible. And we had really high-end insurance in California. Like, we paid a lot for insurance. So um, even when you pay for a private doctor here, it's, it's inexpensive and it's good care. Yeah, I would say the same in Mexico. I would say that my doctor's have been at least at minimum on par if a couple of them have been way better than any doctor I've had in the States here. Um, but I live right outside of Guadalajara and the uh, University of Guadalajara is one is a very, very well-respected med school. So we have fantastic healthcare here. And um, so, and dental care, the dental care has been amazing. And it's not that, ex- it's not expensive. I did have um, knee surgery in the States um, under Medicare, so it was cheaper. But um, when I went to um, get the quote here in Mexico, again, the same thing as your experience, Christine, all in, it would have been 
you know, it would have been totally doable to just pay for it here out of pocket. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm finding that I, uh, even though if, if there's anything major like that, I would probably go back to the States to get it just because I, I can get it for cheaper, you know, if it's super major, but you know, I just, it's, you know, 10, 15 bucks to go see a doctor. It's, you know, I, I had to have a CAT scan the other day and it was $150 out of pocket. So. Wow. Interesting. That's great. Okay. Um, Patty, I know you're passionate about your community. Talk a little bit about giving back to the community down there. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think is, is important to think about when you're moving to another country. And I'm here in Mexico and, uh, when COVID broke out, um, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm in good shape, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about not having anything, but a lot of my neighbors in the village where I live are hand to mouth. They make money every day. They work as waitresses and caddies and they work, uh, they sell tacos and taco stands or, you know, different things and like that. And so a group of us expats and some other Mexican uh, locals, we all got together and started a food bank and um, to make sure that people had enough food, basically. And I, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, as soon as the economy started up, a lot of people just came to us and said, okay, we got our jobs now, so you can take us off the list. You know, people who are really very appreciative of the generosity and also, you know, then they would say, uh, or I can give my dispenser to this family because they don't, they, you know, they're sick or they need help. So what we discovered was there's a lot of people that have fallen through the cracks here in this village that a lot of families will take care of their elderly or they'll take care of each other. You don't see homeless like you do in the States. People are much, very poor, but everyone has somewhere to live or to sleep to, to be. But um, <clears throat> I think it's, you know, when we come in and do our work here, we're taking advantage of the low cost of living and some of the features that the country offers. And um, I think it's really a, a wonderful experience to actually get grounded into the local community when you look for ways to give back. So where I live, most expats all volunteer doing something. There's a couple of uh, uh, shelters for animals, animal rescue shelters. There's one for children to, um, for helping children who need medication, niños incapacitados. Ours is Food Bank Lakeside and we provide staples, um, it dispenses for 700 families a month in seven different uh, communities around the lake. And we provide a hot meal for about 800 children five days a week um, in some of the poorer communities across the lake. So um, a lot of volunteers are, you know, help with uh, teaching English and, you know, different things like that. So what I would just say that one of the most satisfying things about living uh, here has been really embedding myself in the local community and, um, you know, and finding out how you can support people and, you know, working with other people in the community. And, and it's all, what we do is very local driven. Like we, we might collect donations and we get organized, but we let the locals decide what's needed, you know, and who needs it and where it goes. Like we're, we don't decide that because, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to do that, but it's, it's a wonderful way to, to give back 
and um, especially if you're getting the benefit of living there. I asked Patty one time, I said, so are you coming back when you get older and, you know, and she goes, why would I do that? The community here takes care of the elderly. Yeah. She said, it's just amazing. So you just stay down there. We'll yep. come down with you. You come visit me. And it's spring <laughs> year round. So the weather's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right. Final question. And then we're going to open up and let Ms. Kalia um, put some questions at us. But um, are you going to return to the States full time ever? Just answered that for you, huh, Patty? Nope. <laughs> I'm not that certain. I don't plan that far ahead. <laughs> I've, Niels and I've lived and I think been married 19 years and lived in 17 different places. So, yeah. You also have a home in Nebraska too, though. That you, yeah. So that's a little bit different. But yeah, yeah, you've got Nebraska. That's that's an amazing place that you have. Yeah. I don't have anything like that there. Yeah. That would be different. Right. If I had that, it would be different. But I've also not lived anywhere longer than eight years in my life it, it, yeah. after I moved out, after I, you know, moved out. So who knows where I'll be next? Okay, ladies, um, we're going to open it up. Let Kaylee open up with some questions. Good doing job. Best the timing. I think we're on schedule. Doing great. I'm doing my best to keep all the questions um, organized, but I do, there's there are some common themes that are coming through. And so one of the questions that we're getting is about language. So Patty is in Mexico and how, how do you speak the language? Same for Christine, same for Sid, do you speak the language? Has it been um, a barrier uh, or a benefit based on if you do or do not? I'm learning. Sorry. Yeah. Duolingo, right? <laughs> Duolingo, and I'm actually going to start taking some classes. I go down every day and try to speak to the locals, but it is a barrier without a doubt. I'm way more dependent on my husband, which is difficult. <laughs> but really, even if I spoke the language to understand technical things like, you know, around learning things about the property, the electrical system, like it's, it's difficult, even if I spoke better Italian, I wouldn't understand to that level or going to a doctor. So that part is a barrier and, and uh, I'm trying to improve on it and I need to work harder at it. That's one of my goals over the next year. Um, where I live, so many people speak English that uh, it's, it's not that hard, but um, I practice Duolingo and I talk with everyone I can in Spanish, even if they speak English, I know they speak English, I still respond in Spanish because I, the way you learn is by practicing. And you would be surprised at how much you can communicate with a few words and hand signals. <laughs> and um, I mean, I just talked to a carpenter yesterday about um, refinishing some wooden bowls. And it was like, hmm, how am I gonna talk about what I want him to do, you know, but somehow with a few words and some hand signals, we got it all done, you know. So I was for you of all, all three women. That is one yeah. hard language. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so everywhere I lived, either spoke English or I mean, Curacao and Netherlands, everybody, almost everybody speaks English, but I did during COVID and because of to get citizenship needed to be able to pass a certain amount of Dutch proficiency. And I found through an expat friend, um, an amazing tutor. And, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour, hour and a half, 
she hammered Dutch words into my thick skull. <laughs> and my relationship with my neighbors, we live in a town of about 15,000 people and we have some elderly neighbors and it makes all the difference. Like they are so happy when I speak to them in Dutch. They correct the little neighbor kids. They'll clap if I actually say a word correctly. Like <laughs> change the degree of connection, it, you know, with people, just my, uh, you know, commitment to, to being in the Netherlands, which they think Dutch is, is definitely a part of. So I'd encourage people to not wait. My cousin who moved to Denmark, I told him like, do it immediately. You know, don't wait as long as I did, because once you get in a groove of speaking English, it, it actually works against you. But there's no one that speaks English in my yeah. town. Yeah, it's harder for me to hear. So I think I have to actually go to Puebla or one of the other towns to do an immersion class to get me to the next level and then come back. And it's harder. And it's harder for you, Chris, Christine, right? Because because no, no one in my town speaks English. Yeah, but, like, but, but then Christian will speak. True. Italian, right? True. Yeah. Yeah, but he's over in the states and she's alone so oh he is okay when he comes back sometimes yeah. yeah florence of course everyone speaks english but this is a small town and i have to like plan even what i'm going to order like yeah in advance yeah uh, translate everything you know pounds and I'm still trying to translate it all um Google Translate is an amazing yeah, um, it is. Uh, tool to, to use now. And you can even take a picture like of a prescription or a, uh, of a um, report, a radiology report, and it'll translate that. I, I go in with a picture of the cow, the butcher <laughs> picture to the meat market because the cuts of meat are different, right? Ribs. So I explain exactly what I want. <laughs> I remember my first trip to Italy probably about 35 years ago. I, got, I was waiting in line in the supermarket and I ordered a kilo of prosciutto. And the guy came to me and goes, no, 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 no. So what else okay. you got, Ms. Kaylee? All right. So this one might be more of a question for Patty, but I see a few questions coming in from Megan, from Cynthia, and from, I think, Masoom. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, about being single and moving abroad. So there's questions around... Um, is it, you know, it can be a little hard to take a financial risk and it's a little bit more daunting. Do you have any advice around that? Um, you know, same question about moving abroad solo. And then um, Masulam is saying any specific advice for single women or perhaps young women or women of color that are interested in moving abroad? Um, well, you know, obviously, you know, it, you pick where you go and, you know, it depends on where you go. Like I came here because I had a friend who already lived here. And so I came into a community, you know, of, of women, of single women. And uh, I mean, we, there are some, there are some guys, <laughs> some of them are married too, but <laughs> definitely I, I came into a community of single women. So you really need to, to you know, it, it's important for you to see if, the, if it's easy. It's easy here for a single woman to come because there's so many things going on. There's so many activities, there's so many groups. There's just so many ways to meet people and people are really friendly and you'll find the expat lifestyle wherever you go around the world, expats are really friendly and welcoming. It's easier to meet people, I think in other countries than it is. I lived in Toronto for two and a half years. I guess that, that was sort of an expat. I didn't even think of it that way, but it was hard for me to meet locals because they have their own 
um, you know, they already had their own communities. And if you're not introduced, then it's not proper, like when you walk down the street. But here, you just can meet people really easily. And um, there's, there's single women of color here. There's, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that as a, as a barrier. And, and in terms of financial risk, well, actually, this is, you know, it's more of a financial risk to stay in the States than it is to come here, in, especially to Mexico, because the cost of living is so much cheaper. So, great answer. Um, okay, so I guess we could jump into, I have a few questions coming through about um, elder, having uh, to care for an elderly parent in the States. So Carla is asking, or mentioning that she spends a considerable amount of time abroad in a prior chapter of her life, but now she's kind of wondering on how to deal with um, caregiving for aging parents. Any That's advice on one. that? That's yeah, a hard one. You've, you've got a, a lot of experience in that one, traveling and having your mom um, being, you know, you're caring yep. for her as well. Yeah, I didn't um, know Matt as much when she was alive, um, but when she, uh, when I, we did Nomad, I definitely had a, I have a great community here of friends and my friends would go, she was in a nursing home and uh, they would visit with her. So Carla, it's hard, <laughs> but you know, there's a point in your life where you have to make decisions and the decision to help your parents is probably the best one. When I, we lived on the island of Jersey, which was really hard to get anywhere from. Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so we moved to Curacao because it was inexpensive flights uh, to Denver uh, and then a, a drive to see my mom. So we actually changed our expatness and location to make it still be remote, but still be easy. And again, if you work with a company that's kind of always allows for remoteness, like my current, he doesn't care if I'm in Nebraska or in, or in the Netherlands, as long as the work gets done. So if you have the right culture in a way, it actually, to me, allowed me to be a more caring daughter. Um, so I was still able to live overseas, but then I was able to spend stretches of time back in Nebraska with, with my parents and still work and then, but be with them. So I think, again, it's about intelligent design of, of, of you know the work that you do and also looking at the expense of, of commuting back and forth if you do want to spend time. Um, one of the things that Julie mentioned earlier is the elder care in Mexico and it is extraordinary you know the just the the care for um, the elderly here is really high quality and so uh, I've met people who moved down here because they were actually moving their parents down to Mexico for their elder care, for their, you know, for the nursing home or for, they're like small, there's small communities, uh, small nursing homes. Actually right next door is a big house that they turned into, a, you know, I think they have four or five people in there that they take care of. And um, so a lot of people said that they, they weren't intending to move down here, but when they came down with their parents, they ended up buying a house and just staying after their parents died. So that's kind of a, a interesting, I don't know if your parents, Carla, are interested or would be open to that, but you know, I, I talked to people who said it was so much better when they brought their mom down because now she's got a beautiful garden to sit in and to look out and people who are so kind who take care of them and just it's just a such a better situation than what the nursing home and the different options were in the States. So that's another thing to think about. 
great answers. Um, so we did, we did talk a little bit about healthcare. Um, we talked about, you know, kind of how do you assess the quality of the healthcare? And I think we've already uh, answered that one, at least for your specific countries that you reside in. But there is a question coming through from Jen about prescriptions and getting medication if you need it unexpectedly. Like, um, how's that work out in each, each of your countries? I mean, I've had a cousin visit who needed um, medical care and it was, you know, extremely low cost, even though he had no insurance, um, probably less than a copay in the US. Um, so I think it depends on the country and the, and the, and the system, but, you know, I, I wouldn't see it as a barrier. Yep. Yeah, it's inexpensive here and many drugs, um, actually the pharmacist can write you the prescription. Mm -hmm. So, which is fantastic. So there's not a need for a trip to the doctor for everything. That's great. I would say that um, for, in most cases, you just go to the pharmacist and you don't need a prescription here. Um, some things they're really regulate, like it's the opposite is in the States. They heavily rec regulate any opiate type of pain med. I mean, they, they take your license. They, they, it's, you know, almost impossible to get. And, um, but, you know, I, I've had thyroid medication for, you know, 30 years. And I think that that's the same I would pay in the States. Um, I mean, you know, under insurance in the States, it might be cheaper, but it's about the same. And a lot of other things are way cheaper. Um, okay. Uh... So, well, we, I mean, we've, we've got more questions. My cat wants to ask a question. She wants to know which is the best country. Actually, there was a question about, about bringing a dog. There was I'm a watching Christine with her wine, and you know it's damn good wine. She's sitting there drinking. Well, it's water. It's water. It's a pool glass. Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we know that. We know that. Oh, too. look. It's water. Yeah. So I, I can ask the dog question if you want. Yeah. And we, yeah. we had... Uh, a dog and two cats almost everywhere we lived um and you just kind of the uk was a little bit harder uh there was a quarantine period for the dog but everywhere else you just had to get a certain amount of tests and medical certificates before you went and then you would show up and present all the documents and get a little pet passport it's actually niels and i joke it's been easier for our pets to move between countries than for us as humans um, so I wouldn't let that be a barrier, just but make sure and do the research. Yeah, I just brought in my two cats and it was super easy. And I just recently brought over a, a puppy, an eight-week puppy for a friend of mine from, from uh, the States. And um, it, it was just a piece of cake, total piece of cake. The guy at the customs airport here who does that is a big, you know, sweetie pie. So he basically loves up all the animals that are coming in and oh. kind of does the paperwork in between. Good man. We got we four minutes. One, yeah. One yeah, more question. Do just, yeah, just one more. I know we've talked a lot about finding a remote job or making, you know, maybe making a switch of a job so that you can work in a different country. What about if you're self-employed? And I feel like this, this one is, a, I don't, I'm not sure that we touched upon it yet, but if um, you're self-employed specifically, Nancy's asking about having an LLC. Um, she's curious about how taxes might change if she was to uh, cross the bond. I still have an LLC in the States. I still get paid through that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really not any different. I, I keep a bank account in the States. 
you know, I just have all my, my business banking is still in my, my U.S. account. Um, Same. Yeah. Same. I have a Corbess and an LLC and because of the taxation, the treaty. So I pay the taxes in the U.S. And I, I've done both. I had it an LLC in the U.S. And then recently, I when I started my consulting business, there were some tax advantages I could take up in the Netherlands by starting a sole proprietorship in, in Holland. So it actually reduced my tax rate. So I went that way instead of the LLC in the U.S. But yeah, all, all doable. Okay. Kaylee, I, I noticed that we have many questions that haven't been answered. We, we figured that was going to happen. We said that right before we got started. Um, I, it's the best way for people to send them to info at Great Data Mines, and we'll yeah, try to get them sure. answered and get it back. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. I can add that into the chat. You can always reach us at info at Great Data Mines. I was able to capture a few more um, that are sort of specific that we can um, likely send out a response after the fact, if assuming that we have um, the proper email address and everything, but uh, you can always send us questions there. And then I know everybody, all of you ladies sent over your LinkedIn um, handles. So I wanted to add these into the chat as well. Is that okay with everybody? If anybody has any um, sure. questions, this is, here is everybody's um, LinkedIn's. Right. If you want to reach with people, then that's great. And then, we're getting a lot of positive feedback from everybody saying that they love yeah. this discussion. And clearly, so we're all, we all have wonder lost. So I'm interested in who on um, this event is interested in becoming an expat or a nomad. I, I would, I would like to. I think I think about it personally me. all the time. Yeah, I know you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a young me, family. Me, 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 me. <laughs> That might be another question too, is like having kids and, you know, having them too, too far away from the rest of their crew, like cousins and all that stuff. But I don't think there's anything you can say. And in closing, I want to leave you with um, a statement that Patty made that I love. It's not what you're running from, but it's what you're running to. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So thank you for joining us today. Um, we had a great time. Miss you girls. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Thanks. 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 Love you guys. Everybody. Thanks everyone for joining. Bye. 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 Bye.